podcasting time. I am Jonathan Isaacson, and this is Just Another Jerk, Dispatches from Japan, the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, and please rate the show, and if you have a minute or two, give it a little review. And of course, share it with a friend. Share it with your dog. I don't care. Does your dog have an iPod? iPod. I'm old. Does your dog have an iPhone? Share it with your dog. Or your friends, or your enemies, or whoever. Just share the podcast. Anyway, so, what was your life like as a university student? If you went to university. I know not everyone went goes to university. But if you went to university, what was your life like as a student? For me, I was at a school that was on the three terms a year system. So, I had three or four ter- uh, courses every term. And the course is met two or three times a week. You know, I think that's pretty standard. Uh, I know if you go to if you go to semesters, you'll have more like five, four to five courses a, a semester. But yeah, two or three times a week. You know, somewhere between three to maybe six if you're overloading courses a semester, right? And my school it was a pretty small uh, liberal arts school in the upper Midwest in Wisconsin in the U.S. And so pretty much. Everyone lived on campus, which meant that, you know, dinner, lunch, breakfast, pretty much all every single meal in the cafeteria with friends, you know, unless we decided to go to, you know, Herbert and Gerbert, our local uh, sub subway, not subway, sub sandwich shop. A lot better than subway. I'll give you that. Um, Herbert and Gerbert. Good place. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, there that so, but most meals were in the cafeteria, right? And there were, you know, we had the various clubs and sports, of course. Um, I was on the ultimate Frisbee team. That was kind of my big one. Um, I also was in the electronic music club. And I was, it was in the classic film club. I'm not a big film person, but my friends were in the classic film club. So I joined and, you know, we, we would show movies like once a month or so. And my school, we had a coffee shop. We had a sandwich shop. We had a bar on campus. Um, which say the bar one's a little bit rare, but those were options for hanging out. And I think for people who went to small schools in the U.S., I think my experience was a pretty typical experience, right? If you went to a big state school like University of Illinois, like a lot of my friends did, I'm sure you had a pretty different experience, right? especially on the non-class side, but it was still probably you know, pretty recognizable as the university experience. And in case anyone is interested, I talked about my university experience more in depth on my other podcast that I do. It's called Listen Up with Mr. I. It's made for my students learning English, but it's still probably interesting enough, even if you're not, you know, an English learner. Um, So if you're interested, go ahead and check that out. If you need something else to listen to, you know, you got time, you like podcasts, go check it out. Listen up with Mr. I. Usually the episodes are a little shorter, right? Because it's for my my students who are learning English. So I try to keep it under 20 minutes. Usually like 10 to 15 is the most common. But yeah, um, I talked to so I talked my university life so they could learn about that. But yeah, anyway, university life in the U.S., Pretty much everyone has at least, I would say, kind of at least recognizable 
largely similar experiences. Yes, there are differences, of course. But, yeah, there, there, there there's going to be a lot of similarities. Now, the students I teach here in Japan, very, very different experience, both educationally and socially. So let's talk about that. So let's start with the process of getting into university. Now, places like the U.S. are are they're currently moving away more and more from standardized testing, right? Apparently, um, the number of schools that are no longer requiring the SAT or the ACT, it's, it grows every year, and now it's more than 1,800 schools in the U.S. Um, and generally, I think that's a good thing. Standardized testing, I mean, I guess it has its place. Um, maybe like if you're applying to like a super hyper competitive school or program or something, you know, a standardized test score might be the only way to make any distinction between otherwise equally qualified candidates. Uh, even then, I mean, it's still got all sorts of problems. We can, you know, we can debate that. And we could also, you know, just debate the merits of, you know, these hyper competitive schools existence, existence in general you know, what they do to society and stratification, yada, 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 yada. you know, both society and the individuals, what effect these hyper, if, uh, hyper competitive schools have on the, on everything, right? That That's not what we're here to talk about. That's something if you want to talk about, let me know. We can talk about that together. Maybe not on the podcast. We can just talk about it or we can make a podcast. Hey, you can be a guest. Anyway, point is, the U.S. is moving away from standardized testing, generally speaking. Uh, for uh, I should say, moving away from standardized testing for university administration. There's still a lot of standardized testing in the U.S. I got that. But for university admissions, standardized testing in the U.S. is becoming less and less of a thing. In Japan, it most certainly is not becoming less and less of a thing. So in Japan, there are multiple ways to gain admission to universities. And it largely depends on the type of school you want to go to. So, for example, if you want to go to Tokyo University, Waseda University, Keio University, uh, Kyoto the so the big national school like Tokyo, Kyoto, Nagoya, uh, Hokkaido, Tohoku, I forget, I think there's two more. I don't remember. I think there's there's seven of these big national schools that the top schools in the country, and then you got some of the really high end private universities like Waseda, Keio, right? These are the the Harvards, the Yales, the Cambridges, the Oxfords of Japan, right? If you want to go to these schools, standardized testing is super super important for those to get into those schools. So there is this test that used to be called the center exam. Um, they changed the name a year or two ago, but from what I hear, the test is more or less the exact same thing, maybe some small tweaks, but it's it's basically the same thing. Um, I'll just call it the center exam because it's a nice, easy, simple name to remember. It's this big, big national exam, and the score from that test can be used at pretty much any university in Japan, and it is a huge deal. 
there are testing sites all over the country. You know, makes sense. It's it's a test. It's a national test. It can be used for pretty much any university, and the testing sites are usually university campuses, and security around the test is a big deal. So, my university is a testing site, and no one who is not connected to the test that day is allowed on campus, period. I cannot come into my office the weekend the center exam or, you know, whatever it's called is going on. I'm not allowed to set foot on campus. They will stop me and say, are you, do you have permission to be on campus today? I'll say, no, they buy. I can't be on, it's a big deal. And any breaches of protocol, of suspicions of cheating or whatever, are literally national news. Right? This year, there was a case, some student, I guess, they snuck their phone out of their bag. or like Obviously, you can't have your phones out during the test. You have to put your phones away for the test. But someone kind of snuck their phone out and like took a picture of a, of a question they didn't know the answer to. And they sent it to, I think it was like a cram school teacher, um, or someone, like a cram school tutor, and they're like the person, the, the student taking the test was asking, what's the answer to this question? I'm studying. And something like that. I, I didn't pay real close attention to the news, like TV news, because like I say, this story made national news several nights in a row, right? That's the level of seriousness that this test gets, right? And every year, there's some sort of incident surrounding the center exam, right? It makes sometimes it's a cheating exam. Sometimes it's a problem with the test. Sometimes it's this, that, or the other. There's always something that comes up, and it makes national news. So yeah, this exam, the center exam, it's a big freaking deal. But beyond that, beyond the center exam, so let's say I don't want to go to Tokyo University. I'm not trying to get into Hokkaido University or Keio or Waseda or whatever. Most universities have their own entrance exams, right? In fact, I am involved in the creation and scoring of the English portion of the exams here at my school, right? And it's not just one test every year. There are eight test days for various departments and scholarships and this, that, or whatever. So some students will take the test three, four more times. And if they know that this is the school they want to go to, if they're willing to, you know, go into whatever department that they can get into, and that, that's a little preview of something I'll talk about in a little bit, they'll, you know, they'll come, they'll take the test repeatedly. So we're, you know, we're going through the tests and, you, you know, I'll notice a name and then, Tomorrow I'll be grading the next day's test. No, oh, there's that same name. Oh, okay. So students will take the test day after day trying to get into this school, right? And yeah, so yeah, the entrance exams, they're a big deal. Um, but there is another route for some schools. You know, basically it's an interview in your academic or athletic achievements in high school. I mean, sure, there is some sort of a test to make sure that the students have the academic wherewithal to be able to hack it in university, but the test is a lot shorter than the other exams, and I don't actually know a lot about this method of admissions because I have not been involved with it at 
all. But yeah, getting into university, it's it's a pretty major ordeal here in Japan. Not I don't think always, but a lot of times. Especially if you want to go to like a, you know a big name school, it's a huge ordeal trying to get in to into university. Right? I mean it's so much so that more than a few students take a gap year, not because they want to travel the world or whatever, but because they didn't get into the school that they wanted to, you know, so they will take a, a, a year, a gap year to test prep, right? Take the admissions tests again next year, you know, so they can go to Tokyo University, which is like the top school in the country, or Hokkaido University, Kyoto University, Tohoku University, right? The the, I think it's seven, actually, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure there's seven. They used to be the imperial schools, right, when the Japanese Empire, but now they're just the national schools. Yeah, those are the really prestigious schools, and people will take a gap year to take the tests again to try to get into those schools. And yeah, as someone who grew up in the U.S. and went through the educational system there, this all seems kind of nuts to me. Again, this is from my cultural perspective. Anyway, once students get into university, things are also very different in that regard, you know, when you compare it to a U.S. school. So for starters, students are in a department from day one. There is no year or two to explore, take gen eds, find out what you want to do before declaring a major. I mean, I, I know a lot of students in the U.S. start out knowing exactly what major they intend to declare, but usually you know, you've got a year, a couple terms, maybe two years of general education courses that, you know, pretty much everyone has to take before declaring your major. Not so in Japan. If you want to join the psychology department, you have to be admitted into that department from day one. So you have to get into school, into the psychology department. And that is why there are so many different entrance exams here at my school. Why We have eight different days, right? Different departments use slightly different tests. And yeah, so you have to get into your department to get into school. It is possible to transfer between departments, but it's not a super simple process. It's not like you can just say, oh, I want to change to this department. You have to go through new testing and stuff to, to change departments and whatnot. And you can transfer in schools is also possible, but that is even more difficult from what I understand. Um, transferring credits generally doesn't happen, I think. Um, again, I'm not really well versed in this area. Um, it's not something I think that happens quite as much as in the U.S. Um, I mean, I transferred my for, after my first, well, after my first semester of school in the U.S. I, I actually transferred. So I went to three, I actually went to three universities slash community colleges, whatever you want to call it. So I did one semester at community college after deciding I didn't want to go to the school I started at. Anyway, that's another story for another day, whatever. But yeah, transferring, not as common, I I, I think. Again, I don't know. I'm not, that's not something I'm really involved with at all. So I can't talk with any real authority on that issue. Now, another big difference uh, is how often classes meet 
and how many classes you take at a time. The majority of classes in, Jap in a Japanese university meet only once a week, which to me seems insane. How can you actually learn something, you know, acquire a skill when you only meet once a week to talk about it, to learn about it? Again, all of this is coming from the perspective of someone who grew up and is a product of the system in the U.S., right? I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad, the Japanese system, but I am saying that it just goes against everything that I was ever told about mastering a topic, learning a skill, right? The practice. But yeah, once a week. Now, the upshot of this is that the number of courses that a student takes at any given time is kind of, again, to, to my American brain, kind of bonkers. So when, when we're studying in my, in my English classes, when we're studying how much, how many, how to use those phrases, the differences between how much and how many, I always ask my students, how many classes are you taking this semester? And the number, it always, just say, it boggles my mind. 16 classes. I'm taking 18. I'm taking 20 classes this semester. I'm just like, and I'm just thinking to myself, what? How? That is too much. And again, I, and I remind myself that I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the scope of a course in my university, right? When I was an undergraduate, how much how much we covered in those 10 weeks and the amount of homework that I was com expected to complete, you know, taking, but I, again, I was taking three or four courses at a time. We're meeting two or three times a week. So the amount of information in a single course was different. It's just so very different a way to think about organizing a schedule. And the courses themselves, at least from what I have observed, just, just walking by, the, I haven't sat in on courses, just kind of walking down the halls of some of the, the buildings. There's a lot more of the sage on the stage type of teaching. Um, much more so than is the norm in the U.S. You know, at least, you know, my small liberal arts school that I went to, we didn't have a lot of sage on the stage. You didn't have the teacher, the professor standing up in the room just talking. Didn't have much of that at all. I know it happens at some course, especially if you've got a big lecture course, you know, 100, 200, 300 students. Yeah, that's what you're going to do. It's not the norm in a lot of schools in the U.S. Most people have a couple of those. You know, you'll have some of those in your in your your time in university, but not the majority. And in Japan, it kind of is flipped. There's a lot more of the professor stands up at the front of the classroom, often with the microphone, which, eh, um, and they'll just talk. And the students will just listen, take notes if they want to. Um, but yeah, like I say, microphones. Yeah, that's another thing. Most classrooms that are medium-sized and larger. So, you know, think a classroom that'll seat 50 students is going to have a microphone. Despite, you know, being not, I mean, what, depth less than like five, six meters, width maybe eight meters. Not a huge room, right? But it's still going to have a microphone. And I just, I, I can't, 
I, I've I've never used a microphone to. Uh, yes, if I'm in the if I were in a big lecture hall, sure I'd use the mic, but no, not in a not in a regular classroom. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yes, there's there is a lot of sage on the stage teaching in Japan, right? Yes, there is there there are plenty of interactive bits, activities, things like that. Just not as much as in a U.S. school, I think. At least in my experience. Again, my experience is not, I didn't go to a big public school. I didn't go to a big university with, you know, thousands and thousands of people. My school was smaller than my high school, my university. Um, so I know it, it's it's a not a normal experience for a lot of people. But even my friends who went to big schools, yes, you have lecture courses, but you also have a lot of smaller courses. And I, and I say Japan, there are smaller courses, but I think kind of the proportions are reversed. More big lecture courses, fewer small interactive courses. And one more thing I've noticed that if I'm walking down the, the, the hallways, you know, going to the next class or whatever. I've noticed that in a lot of these classes, students don't really seem to have to pay attention if they don't want to. Right. A lot of times I'll just walk by. I will see students sleeping. They'll be on their phones, texting their friends and the professors don't care. Or at least they don't seem to care. Um, it just needs to be par for the course. Um, you know, the, basically the issue is, can you pass the test? If you can get the information into your brain to pass the test, you're fine. However you get it into your brain. Um, and this that was what my friends, my Japanese friends who studied in the U.S., that's what they told me, too. It's like, if you can pass the test, you know, that's fine. You have to be in the classroom a lot of times, but that's kind of it. You don't have to be, you have to be physically present. You don't have to be mentally present to pass the classes a lot of times. And again, it's possible in the U.S. I'm not saying there aren't those classes in the U.S. I'm just saying, again, the balance is more tilted to those in Japan. And this this kind of reminds me of something that I, I think it was my Japanese professor. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was her, but it may have been another someone else. You know, it, it, anyway, what they told me was that getting into university is the hard part in Japan. Graduating, that's easy. Again, I'm not sure if that's that's true, but I mean... It, that's at least the perception some people here in Japan have of the university system here in Japan. So yeah, that, that's the educational side. Um, and something else that was very different, you know, from my experience, which again, yes, mine was not necessarily typical as I went to a small liberal arts school in the upper Midwest. Um, but a huge difference between my experience and my students that I teach, their experience, is where students live. So my school, very small, more than 95% residential. I, that was the rule. Like only a tiny, tiny fraction of students were even allowed the option to live off campus. Basically, the only way that you were allowed to live off campus is if you were a townie. Like if you if your house was within a certain distance of campus, you could live like not not the house you were renting. Your family's house was a certain distance from campus. Then you could live at home. Otherwise, you had to live on campus. Um, again, small, kind of exceptionally exceptional in that that regard. Um, but 
yeah, like I say, most schools in the U.S., not all, especially if you're in a big city, but most schools have at least a, a percentage of the students living in how, campus housing. And Japan, by and large, does not do residential campuses at all. Um, there are exceptions you can find. Uh, the one that pops into my mind is uh, Akita International University, which is unique in a lot of ways. Um, AIU ha- does have residence halls for at least some of its students. Part of it is the type of school it is. Like I say, it, it is a unique school here in Japan. Everything's in English. Um, but another part of it is that its location is the outskirts of Akita City, not really that close to much of anything. Um, so I think that combination will kind of get you some dorms, right? A, kind of a, a unique school in a kind of remote, a hard to access location. You're going to get uh, you're you're going to get some dorms apparently, um, but most schools, right? Students have to find their own housing. Some students find their houses, their apartments very nearby, right? They can walk to school, they can roll out of bed 10 minutes before class and be okay. Other students will find apartments, you know, a lot farther away and others will just live at home, right? My school is in a big city, it's in Sendai. So a lot of students are from the the greater Sendai area. And so they just live at home and commute. And it does make it a lot easier that Japan has a very well-developed train system. I mean, even if students have to commute, sometimes more than an hour each way, um, which I would hate to do. But, um, yes, Japan, we have a very well-developed rail system, so students, it's easy to commute. right? My school, we even have our own train station. Like, I'm not, like, literally, we have our own train station. In 2007, Japan Rail East opened a station with the name of my school, right? Obviously, it's not just used by university students, but students do make up the vast majority of the ridership at that particular station. So yeah, commuting is easy. But that does mean that there is not as much socialization that happens on campus compared to a school in the U.S. I mean, of course, like I say, my school was was ex- pretty much exclusively residential. Everyone lived on campus. We were we had to have things to do on campus because that's where we lived. So that, that obviously was going to skew my view a little bit. But even larger schools where there's a lot more commuters, there are more, the, the schools that are more analogous to my school here in Japan, you know, in a city, more commute, like even majority commuter. There are more, activities on campus right there's more concerts there's parties and things like that on campus and that's just not those those don't those don't happen here in japan as much um i mean there are club activities right you you have clubs you can be a member of and that's kind of it for socializing on campus really right there I, my school that I teach at, I can't, there are no concerts. There are no kind of parties or anything on campus, save the school festival. Oh yeah, school festival. What's that? Well, it's a festival at school. I mean, duh. 
So what do they do at said school festival? Well, that would have been a better way to ask from the start. Um, basically, the school festival, the various clubs, the groups, they have their food stalls. They raise some money by selling you know, food or whatever. Um, there, a lot of schools have like a battle of the bands kind of thing where the, 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 the music club, well, the various bands that have been you know, put together on, on campus, They'll have Battle of the Bands. There may be a Miss and Mr. Campus contest, you know, like kind of beauty, beauty pageant kind of things. And yeah, that there, I think there are other things too, but that's kind of the basic gist of it. You know, and the, the, the surrounding community is welcome to come usually. Uh, so you'll have, you know, the, the, commu- the, the neighbor, people from the neighborhood will come. So it's a good way for the, the campus to kind of welcome the, the local residents and say, here's what we're doing. Come and meet us. Um, but yeah, other than that, there aren't really a lot of social activities on campus, like not in the same way that's very common in the U.S. After classes are done, most students, they just completely disappear from campus, never to be seen again, at least not until they have class on another day. So yeah, that that's kind of what life is like for university students here in Japan. You know, I always say this with the caveat that I am a product of the educational system and the culture of the U.S., but I'm very glad that I didn't go to university here in Japan, right? I'm sure that this, if this is the system that I had grown up with, this is what seemed normal to me, then this would be what I expected. This is what I would have wanted, but it's not. But I'm sure for students who grew up in, in Japan, the U.S. system, with some of them, the U.S. system probably seems strange, right? You, you only take three classes a, a term, four classes a term. That That's boring, right? For some of them, probably doesn't seem as good even. So, yeah, I, I, I try to remember this because, especially now, I'm a father. My daughter is growing up in the Japanese educational system. You know, and it, it has its strengths. It has its weaknesses. I have to remember... I shouldn't dwell on the weaknesses of the educational system, right? Focus on the strengths. This is what the schools do well. The weaknesses, we'll do something at home. We'll, we'll supplement those things at home, right? So, yeah. The, anyway, this, this, I, this was an episode really kind of about nothing. Definitely a hashtag content kind of episode. Uh, but I'm trying to get a few together here, ready to go. Put them in, get them in the can, ready to go during spring break. So I'll have some for you. I mean, fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever. Anyway, that is where we'll leave it for today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever it is that you cast your pods. The podcast is available on most major platforms, right? Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Pandora, Amazon, uh, maybe some other places. Um, you can always find the Twitter for this podcast at Just Another Jerk. You can email the show, uh, Just Another Jerk Podcast at gmail.com. And you can go to the website, tinyurl.com slash jerkpod. And that is all for me. I am Jonathan Isaacson, and I'm out. Peace.